they've been marshalling their forces down at the Columbus Dispatch. I hold in my hand a big, long story about escalating gun violence in the city of Columbus. They get really excited about enterprise reporting like this. I mean, you know this is a big deal because they got four bylines on one story. Wow. <laughs> Eric Legata, Mike Wagner, Jennifer Smola, Schaefer, Bethany Bruner. Oh, they're going to enter this in contests, and they're going to show their community bona fides by getting to the bottom of gun violence. I didn't even count the number of pages in this thing. It's got to be uh, 15 on the low end. And I read it with interest because, you know, I I loved Columbus from the time I set foot on the Ohio State campus. I thought it was an amazing city, one where you could, and I've noted this uh, for many years after I graduated with a journalism degree and became a reporter at the Plain Dealer based in Columbus in the State House Bureau covering Ohio State. You could land at what was then Port Columbus at 4.45 on a Friday afternoon, and I could be in Upper Arlington at my house, the one I bought for $80,000 in 1988, I could be at my house by like 5.30. Like I came from Miami, Florida. I'm an Ohio boy, but I'd worked in Miami, Florida for a while. Where a trip to the post office, you budgeted an hour. Like in your neighborhood without going on a freeway. And crime was low. And for the longest time, you had had to put Ohio after Columbus because nobody had heard of it. And it was our secret. And I didn't want people to find out about it. But we've grown, and uh, as we've grown, the leadership of the city has flipped from almost all Republican, both elected office and influential people in town. Uh, Years ago, when Columbus Monthly was not owned by uh, the Dispatch, uh, one of my journalism professors, who was not a journalism professor, he was an actual, like, working person, uh, named Herb Cook, Herb Cook was one of the founders with Max Brown of Columbus Monthly, and Columbus Monthly used to do great investigative pieces. i got to guarantee you that back in the day when Columbus Monthly started, if they had done a story of this length, of this degree to which the dispatch devoted resources, Columbus Monthly would not have written this long, 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 long story, which I I have no doubt the dispatch will win awards for this because very few newspapers, like, do anything like this anymore, even though this work is cosmetic, not consequential. Columbus Monthly would not have written a story like this without even one time mentioning the escalation in gun violence relating it to gang violence. Gang violence. The overwhelming majority of crime in Columbus has its roots in gang activity in the city of Columbus. Gang activity not mentioned once. In this story, it is like writing about uh, the symptoms of a disease without writing about the cause of the disease. So here are the numbers on the story, but it doesn't get to the meat of the story because uh, talk about gang violence. That might be racist. That might be uh, something. Yes, it might be that something would be true. It might be true. But it was true, the dispatch has no interest in writing about it. And Andrew Ginther, the mayor, is not going to talk about it. Heaven forbid that. 
So here are some numbers on uh, the violence, the murders, the crime in the city of Columbus, all of which has taken place on Andrew Ginther's and Mike Coleman's watch, all of which has happened since Columbus ceased to be run by Greg Lashutka and Buck Reinhardt. And I must say, politically incorrect though it is, a group of visionary men who in their day were known somewhat admiringly, also somewhat condescendingly, were known as the Titans, the Titans of Columbus. The Titans were John Wolfe, uh, who was the bank, John McCoy, Bank One, uh, John McConnell, Worthington Steele. Bruce, you are aware you are talking about a bunch of old, rich, white men. Yes, I am aware. I'm also aware that those old, rich, white men were not going to allow anything to happen in the city of Columbus that would be bad for Columbus. And when you kept things from being bad for Columbus, you know what you kept them being bad for? Oh, that's right. The citizens of Columbus. Oh, but now the citizens of Columbus, they don't have to deal with old, rich, white men, benefactors, and... um, People who've, you know, actually built the empires that employ a lot of the people in the city. You don't have to deal with them anymore because they've passed on. And even if they existed, they wouldn't be allowed to have any influence now because they're the aforementioned old white men. So we deal with this. Greater Columbus has experienced a shocking, not really shocking, Shocking to the dispatch. Increase in kids and teenagers being shot. The rate has nearly tripled in Franklin County since 2019, according to data data from the Central Ohio Hospital Council. Young people under 18 are shot on average eight times for every 100,000 youth. That was in 2019. Now the number is 23 times per 100,000 youth. My high school math tells me that that is a three-fold increase in three years because the numbers are from 2019 to 2022. Great job, Andrew Ginther. Great job, City Council, all Democrat. Awesome job. Oh, wait, it says here in early 2022, Andrew Ginther declared gun violence a public health crisis. It's like a germ. You're walking around outside. And the gun violence germ may land on you, like the COVID cootie germ. Andy was trumpeting the decrease in the murder rate. Like Joe Biden does gas prices, by the way. From its astronomical high of 205 murders in Columbus in 2021. Then it went down to 140 in 2022. And Andy was like, look, look, gun violence... Murder's down 30. He doesn't say murder. He says gun violence. Gun violence is down one third. Uh, Yeah. But as of this year, as of two days ago, we have had 53 murders in Columbus this year, which is an increase of 17 over the same time last year. Andy, 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 what happened? That uh, gun violence germ is back, and there's no vaccine for it if you refuse to do anything to clamp down on gang activity. 
Uh, one of the people who I do admire for what he is at least doing to call attention to the problem is the Reverend Frederick Lamar of the Family Missionary Baptist Church. They hold a march every month where they try to call attention to all the victims of murder and uh, similar criminal activity throughout Columbus. Unfortunately, uh, their peace walk was itself caught in the crosshairs of gunfire not too long ago. Uh, Gun deaths have increased 52% in Ohio from 2012 to 2021. That is 13% above the increase nationally. 13% 13% above. So Ohio is becoming a more violent place. Columbus is one of the most violent places in Ohio. It has all happened on the watch and control and vision of Democrats. And they refuse to do anything about or even mention the primary cause of it, which is gang activity. Human trafficking, prostitution, drug activity, gang on gang violence. They refuse to talk about it. They refuse to mention it. They refuse to attribute anything to it. And who gets trapped in gangs? Young black men and increasingly women. Juvenile suspects in fatal shootings in 2018 for the whole entire year. How many juveniles were charged with a fatal shooting in Columbus in 2018? Two. In 2022? How many were charged with a fatal shooting? 18. It went up by a factor of nine in four years. Appreciate you listening to the Bruce Hooley Show, whether you're listening on 98.9 in Columbus or listening on 94.5 in Dayton. And you can catch the podcast at 989theanswer.com or theanswerdayton.com. You can also take us with you wherever you go by uh, using the iHeartTuneIn or Radio.com app. And you can uh, download our own app, the Answer app, available in the uh, iTunes and Google Play Store. So while I was out last week, uh, Jack Windsor was sitting in hosting for me, and I listened and I really admired how Jack did the show, and I admired his even tone. And I was telling my wife one night how nice it was to take a break from the rotten, awful headlines of the day. And she's like, well, you kind of control what you talk about. I don't kind of control it. I control it totally. And she said, if you want to talk about things uplifting, it's in your power to do it. So I have endeavored to at least try to end the show, try to end the show every day on some kind of an uplifting note. Uh, so that is what I will engage in here. Uh, I know a lot of you are discouraged because Tucker Carlson's not on Tucker Carlson tonight anymore, and Fox has taken him off the air. And they say they're going to pay him to the end of his contract. When is that? When is the end of his contract? I mean, AOC's celebrating. The empty-headed bubble heads on The View are celebrating. The Pentagon. I saw the other day the Pentagon generals are celebrating the end of Tucker Carlson. Of course they are. <laughs> they don't want any accountability. They don't like Tucker Carlson making Mark Milley and Lloyd Austin look foolish. Although they certainly don't need Tucker's help. They do it on their own every day. Is it possible that Fox has joined the enemy? Yes. They still have some good people there. Brett Baer's good people. They still have some other people that I like, but they've lost a lot of their... Here's a word I'm learning. 
heterodox. Have you heard heterodox? You heard that term? Heterodox means um, counterintuitive. It means opposite of the majority. Most people think this. If you're heterodox, you have a different view. Okay. Tucker had a heterodox view on a lot of things, on Ukraine, on the vaccines. He wasn't the only one, but he was a powerful voice. And so if the Pentagon generals don't want Tucker's voice out there, that's not good for accountability. So how long will he be off the air? I've been trying to find that out, and there's a story on the Daily Wire that they could pay Tucker to the end of his contract, and he might be off the air and unable to start his own platform or go to work for anyone else until February of 2024. February of 2024. And the headline says, if Tucker Carlson is off until February of 2024, it could have a dramatic impact on the next presidential election. And I don't think that's true. I think if Tucker Carlson comes back in any kind of way, platform-wise, lest he just, short of just retiring, I think he will have an enormous impact because there will be a hunger for him to come back. Now, people generally, you know, find new listening habits and stuff like that, and he won't be as powerful in February 2024 initially as if he would come back next week on Rumble or Daily Wire or Blaze or his own place. But I don't think that um, the timing of it encourages me. And I need encouragement. This morning, I'm sitting in my chair uh, reading my Bible, and I'm thinking about my daughters, and I'm thinking about our country, and I'm doing what I do a lot, which is, you know, pray about the future of our country. And I open my Bible, and it opens to one of my favorite passages. It opens to uh, Daniel 5. If you don't know, Daniel 5 is the story of a phrase you hear mentioned from time to time, the writing on the wall, right? When people say, oh, can you read the writing on the wall? Well, that's a biblical term, the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall is from a Babylonian king who was partying it up with goblets and things that he, or the Babylonians, stole out of Solomon's temple, all the ornate things that God specifically ordered to be the accoutrements in Solomon's temple. And the Babylonians plundered the temple and took all that, took it back to Babylonia. And so they're partying it up one night with these goblets. And in the midst of doing that, there comes this hand, and this hand writes on the wall. And the king's like freaked out, as anybody would be. And he summons Daniel, a Jew who had been taken into Babylonian captivity years before by this king's father, Nebuchadnezzar, And he enlists Daniel to read the writing on the wall. And Daniel reads the writing on the wall. And the writing on the wall says, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. And the writing means, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. In other words, God is saying, I see what you're doing as king. And I'm weighing on the scales of my justice. And you are found wanting. And that very night, The kingdom was ripped out of that guy's hand. He was conquered by the Medes and the Persians. I'm reading this and I'm praying like, Lord, we need a leader in this country. Like, could you raise up a leader to like save us and turn us away from all this woke stupidity? Anti-God stupidity. I hate it because it's anti-God. It diminishes God. I heard a really bothersome stat the other day. LifeWise Academy is trying to get rolling in Upper Arlington. LifeWise Academy is a great endeavor, takes kids off a school property to a nearby property for one period a day and gives them grounding in God's word. 
the lady, well, I don't know if it's a lady, the person trying to start LifeWise Academy in Upper Arlington said to the organizational meeting that a friend of mine attended the other night, you know what percentage of people in Upper Arlington attend church regularly? 5%. And I know some of the churches in Upper Arlington. Just because you go to church doesn't mean it's an authentic Bible-believing church. So there's an anti-God strain out there big time. And I'm praying for a leader and all this kind of stuff, and God puts it on my heart. He's like, what if your vision for America returning to what it was and returning to me is not my vision? And that's a humbling thought. And I thought, well, I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for my grandkids. But but if we've raised them right in our family, then they will react to that by getting on their knees and growing closer to God. Because then I was reminded of the verse in Isaiah 66. This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We don't have a lot of people these days. We have none in the annals of democratic power who are humble and contrite in spirit and tremble at God's word. They laugh at God's word. But that's really not a surprise. Jesus said that to his disciples. Um, he said the secret in Matthew thirteen eleven. he said the secret, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, to his disciples, but not to them. Meaning to the people who were just kind of on the fringes listening, kind of way, eh, I don't know if I believe in this guy or not. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though they see, they do not see, and though they hear, they do not hear or understand. And he talked about that in the context of the parable of the sower. And the sower sows his seed everywhere, and some seed falls on rocky soil, some falls on soil infested by thorns, some falls on the path and is walked over. Other seed falls in good soil and produces a crop multiple... uh, Bounty. Now, what kind of soil do we have in the heart of America? 